What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, and as always, I really hope you like it. Man, I can't believe it. I still can't believe we're in 2022. Feels weird to say, but before we know it, this year is going to be flying by just like it always does. Time goes so fast, and so I want to thank you for slowing down your day a little bit to hang with me. Whatever you're doing today, thanks for letting me join you on this, and you are in for a treat And speaking of treats, my guest today, well, when I think about her name, I think about shopping malls, but not just shopping malls, the smell that I smell when I walk in most any shopping mall. There's two predominant scents that make me hungry, all right, at the average shopping mall. Number one is Cinnabon, and uh, number two is that sweet and salty pretzel that's brought to you by none other than the great Auntie Anne. That's who my guest is today. She founded Auntie Anne's Pretzels, and she has a powerful testimony to tell. I got to be honest. I thought maybe we'll talk about pretzels the whole time. But when we dug into this conversation, she put her heart on her sleeve, and she shared her testimony in a powerful way. And uh, it rocked my world. And I think it's going to really touch your heart today. So try not to get too hungry thinking about uh, her delicious pretzels. And uh, come on, let's get focused, guys. Let's go to the story house with my new friend, a very special lady, Auntie Ann Byler. Hi, Ann. <laughs> Hi, Matthew. Thanks. I'm so glad you have extra time. I, I was telling Jimmy I'm tactic technologically challenged for sure, but I, I don't know. I was really stuck on that one. So Gentry, my uh, my manager, he always gets me out of my jams. So well, I would wait for you anytime. Well, I, you um, are way too. I tell you what, I will give you one extra pretzel. How about that? You will. <laughs> I'll send you one coupon. How's that? Can well, can I just tell you that thinking about the fact that I was going to be interviewing you today, I've been craving pretzels leading up to this interview. I've been so hungry and it's all your fault. I'm trying to be disciplined and it's just such a challenge. I hate when that happens. You know, I guess the next big technology um, a breakthrough would be is if I could actually send you a pretzel, you know, like right now. <laughs> that would be, oh, now that's the future. Hey, maybe that's your next great idea and enterprise. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking to somebody today who's been who's been known to uh, take an idea from uh, inception to uh, worldwide notoriety, and you've you've accomplished so many great things in your life. So I wouldn't put it past you to find a way to virtually deliver me a hot buttery pretzel. <laughs> You're underestimating my technological skills. I can promise you that right now. <laughs> I can bake anything, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and right at the beginning of the new year, people are making New Year's resolutions to eat healthy, and yet here I am, I'm going to be tempting our listeners today just by the fact that I'm going to be speaking with the creator of 
Oh, now do I say auntie? Is it's auntie, auntie? I mean, aunt? you can do whatever. Auntie Anne is, is the the proper name, but people auntie do Auntie Anne. Anne. If they want, if they well, see, I think England. like my dad, yeah, like my dad had relatives from like Rhode Island, and they would say Auntie, and I was like, Auntie, what's Auntie Anne's? So Auntie Anne, do I need to refer to you as Auntie Anne, or can I just call you Anne today? You can't call me Ann Byler, Auntie Anne, Anne, <laughs> but um, whatever suits your fancy, I will answer to anything that you call me. Well, and it is so great to have you on my podcast. And you and I got to, our paths got to cross not long ago in 2021. We were both speaking at an event in sunny Florida because, as we all know, uh, you know, the one, one of the few states that kept doing events in 2021 was Florida, right? But where's home for you? Uh, I'm in Salado, Texas, which is about 30 minutes north of Austin. In uh, Hill Country. Hill Country. So Texas is another state that uh, stayed pretty open. Correct. Correct. We're pretty open here. There's depending what some cities are a little bit more uh, regulated than others, but we're still um, we're we're pretty free here. Yes. But didn't I read you're originally from Pennsylvania, right? I am. My roots are really really deep in the uh, Amish culture in Lancaster County, Amish Country, Pennsylvania, where I grew up as a, a little farm girl. Yeah. One thing I know about the Amish community, and I don't know much, but I've traveled through Lancaster um, and through different Amish communities as, as I've traveled all around the country, but I've always eaten really amazing food in Amish country. Is that something that most Amish communities are known for? Yes, they are. And, uh, you know, I've, I've often joked about, you know, I used to do a lot of entertaining, don't do very much of it anymore. But growing up as a kid, there was eight of us in the family and I was the one that was indoors helping my mom uh, in the kitchen and baking and cooking and all that. And uh, I've always said to people that ask about Amish uh, cooking, I'm like, you know what, salt, pepper, butter, sugar, uh, you know, and flour. Some of the basics make some of the most amazing things. And they just somehow, they're not gourmet cooks is what I'm trying to say. They have a few ingredients that they know how to put them together just right and come up with some really amazing pies and you know, dishes for dinner. And so it's a pretty simple way to cook. But yes, it is very good. So did you actually grow up in an Amish family or just in the community? Okay. So what was your favorite dish that your mom made or that you grew up eating? Was it a pie or was it what takes you back? Well, s pies and cakes and cookies. and uh, But my favorite meal was we did every Sunday was roast beef that was baked in the oven. I mean, it was put in the oven before we went to church. And by the time we got home, it was falling off of the bone. I mean, you could yes, eat it with please. a fork. And so it was always roast beef, mashed potatoes, and a vegetable, depending what season we were in. But that's still my favorite <laughs> meal. And if you came to oh, my house, man. Matthew, I would cook you that meal. You would make me that? <laughs> I would. Oh Come on down goodness. to <laughs> So, So then what made you start uh, making pretzels? Like how old were you when you made your first pretzel? Oh, so soft pretzels was, it was not a part of my family. And even, even the, my uncles and aunts, were, it's a huge family. So I never made a soft pretzel until I was 41. I didn't even know anything about soft pretzels. I mean... Back in the day, there were um, the Philadelphia pretzels and the New York Street pretzels. They were hard. They were like a, a hard bagel with no flavor. And so when Auntie Anne's came 
into the marketplace with uh, soft hand-rolled soft pretzels, it was a whole new phenomenon. But what makes you just have this idea to make a pretzel? Was it were you making them for friends? I know you started making them. In, was it 1987? It was 87. I went to work uh, at a farmers market uh, for somebody that was doing soft pretzels and then like a snack food stand in a farmer's market in Maryland. So that's where I was introduced to hand-rolled soft pretzels. And then seven months later, we were able to buy our own store, which was about 20 minutes from our house at another farmer's market. And they just happened to have soft pretzels as well. So it wasn't my plan. I can tell you that right now. It was just seemed like pretzels was the plan. That that was God's plan for our lives. Sounds silly, but... Um, you know what? I, I've often said that God gave me a pretzel first and then he gave me a platform. So um, <laughs> I love that. pretzels I love that. was not in my brain or mind or thought for any kind of a career, but uh, but it was in, in God's mind. Now, back to what you were saying about simple ingredients growing up. Was this does the same principle apply when it comes to making like the first version of Auntie Anne's pretzels? Was it? Much different than terrible. what people would find. Oh, really? Terrible, terrible. You just weren't good at it or what? No, I, mean, I wasn't good. I was very good at baking and I knew what, if I made a good product, I knew that people would rave about it. You know what I mean? Like my dad would always say, oh, Anna Betts. I was my nickname. My real name is Anna. And if my dad wanted to give me a, a, a pat on the back, he would call me, oh, Anna Betts, that's really good. You know, and, and I knew when I made something good, it pleased my dad and my mom and, and the family. Um, and so I kind of, I guess I took that thought into the marketplace. And when nobody was buying our pretzels, I was completely not distraught, but very, very frustrated because I knew they were not good. So that's how we started. So what was the turning point? Where did you, what was it that made it go? Okay, it went from not good to delicious. Just time. Now you're asking me for the secret ingredient. I cannot what? go there, Matthew. I'm just saying. I just can't do it. But I can tell you okay. one thing. I can okay. tell you that every Auntie Anne pretzel from the day I started making pretzels back in 1988 when we had our own store, uh, I made every pretzel with love. So that is actually the secret ingredient. So you can tell there anybody you want about that. But the story behind it is that we had bought a store uh, at a farmer's market. And again, there they had pizza, pretzels, ice cream, drinks, and it was like a snack food stand. We took uh, the recipe that they had and, and made pretzels and they were terrible. And so after six, maybe eight weeks into that, um, I finally told my husband on a Friday morning, it was a two-day farmer's market. And I told him on a Friday morning, he went to work with me that particular day. And I said, "Hun, I am so done with the pretzels. I'm just going to take it off the menu and we'll do pizza because we had a really good pizza. And, um, and he just said, well, before you do that, let me let me try something that I think might work. And so I was at that point, I'm like, well, whatever, you know, and if you want to try something, that's great. But right now I'm going to focus on pizza, lemonade and ice cream. And he went to the store and bought a few ingredients. And um, uh, our first uh, when he added the ingredients to the recipe that we had, like we stood there and began to smell the pretzel and we looked at each other and opened up the oven door and it's like, Huh. This uh, is amazing. I don't know what it is, what's going on, but um, wow. so the ingredients was actually uh, his idea, and it was a mistake. Otherwise, uh, it, we would never have, um, you know, gotten to the point of Auntie Anne's, the best soft pretzels in the whole wide world place, 
without his idea. When you changed the recipe up and you added the the secret ingredient of love, did you start to notice, like, did, did, did people start to show up at the farmer's market pretty quickly? Immediately. The farmer's market itself at that time was pretty... Uh, it was, a, uh, I call it a dead space. It, there was, there were, there were few people in the market. It was kind of a beat down, kind of run down. All of the merchants were kind of whining and complaining about not doing well. And, and so that was the environment that we went into. And, but when we came up with the, the new recipe, my husband said, now, so we sampled the product, him and I, and I was so excited because I knew it was amazing. I mean, immediately I'm like, this is crazy. And he said, now don't tell anyone, just see how the customers respond to the pretzel. And I'm like, okay. So our very first customer, I will never forget, he bought a pretzel, one pretzel, and we watched him from our, from the stand that we were at. He walked away about 20 feet and then he took a bite of the pretzel and he stopped and he turned around and he looked at the stand and he looked back at us and he walked back and he said, what is this? And I just said, well, it's a, it's a soft pretzel. And I didn't even have a name at that time for my stand, which was six to eight <laughs> weeks into the sale, into the time that we bought our store. And I said, it's a soft pretzel. And he said, he said, this is the best salt pretzel I've ever had. I can't even, he said, it's unbelievable. And from that point on, Matthew, no kidding. It was, it was like, we began to make, we could not make the product fast enough. Just gangbusters. How quickly then did you decide, when does the idea go from, we've got something here, people are lining up, they're saying it's the best pretzel they've ever tasted. What's the next step that leads you to then sort of multiple locations or franchising, I guess is what you would call it, right? Correct. Correct. So in February is when we started our first store. And it was during that time, there was a little Amish girl that worked at that market. And she said, uh, you know, Auntie Ann, there's a store in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which would have been about an hour from where we lived at that time. And she said, you know, the people in Harrisburg would love your pretzels. Now, she was just a kid, like 15 years old. And she came to me, I don't know how many times, and finally I said to my husband, you know, okay, why don't we just go check out the Harrisburg market and see what's up there? So that was in July. By July 4th of that year, we had our second location in the first year, and the second one being in Harrisburg. So, you know, I hate to tell you, but we didn't really plan. Our first one didn't plan, our second one. And then from there, the next year, we did 12 locations. Jonas and I did family and a few friends. They wanted to do Auntie Anne's pretzels. And then we set up an agreement that we called licensing because we didn't know anything about uh, marketing. We didn't know anything about franchising. We knew nothing about business. But we knew we had a great product, and we knew that we love people, and we knew during that time we discovered that God really had a purpose for Auntie Anne's, and that was to give and to be light in the world of business. And so that became our focus, the purpose of Auntie Anne's. And uh, the next year we did 12 stores, the following year we did 35, and the following year about 50 or 60. So it was, we were on the fast track, and... Um, you know, both of us growing up in the Amish culture, none of, we both went as far as the eighth grade because that's what you do when you're Amish and you quit school uh, when you're 15. Oh, that's it. Eighth grade. Okay. That's it. There's not an option. You know, it's just what you do. And I remember back in those days, I, I couldn't wait to quit school. <laughs> I love school, 
but I, I couldn't wait to quit school so that I could help mom and dad on the farm and help with the family, just help meet the needs of the family. It's just really ingrained in you as an Amish kid. So that's what I did at the age of 15. So I always, I always tell people that there were three things that we did not have when we started Auntie Anne's. That was, we had no capital, we had no formal education, and we did not have a business plan. And <laughs> so by today's standards, you would say, well, why did you even start, you know, without those, yeah, you know, yeah, degree? Yeah. But, um, but again, we knew then the three things that we knew we had was purpose, we had a great product, and then we had great people to take our product to the market. So it's, it's a crazy, amazing story, and I love sharing it. I love hearing it. This is fascinating. And and so the so you had different family and friends that wanted that you would license the name to and then they would have their own stores as as it grew. It reached critical mass, right? To where I mean, did you have like a major corporation that came alongside small business owners like yourself? Is that kind of what happens next to go global? Yes. So it was Jonas and I, and then 1990, so it's about a, almost two years later, we hired my brother as a manager, and in 1990, we, we began to franchise because we realized that we are franchising. We're not licensing. We, we began to understand what we were doing, and uh, we read some books and about franchising and discovered that's what we're doing. And so at that time, we went to a franchise corporation a consulting company in Chicago and uh, called Francorp. And they helped us get a uh, UFOC, a Uniform Offering Circular, Franchise Offering Circular, which uh, we went from an 11-page licensing agreement to about a 225-page franchise agreement, which by that time now, I am scared to death because I realize we're in this for the long haul, and this is very, very complicated. And the simplicity that I wanted in business was was way beyond uh, where I thought we would go. But again, I have to go back to two things. And one was that we loved people and we really brought every franchisee in to help them uh, to succeed. And that's what I focused on as the founder of NTNs. That's good. And and you mentioned Jonas. Now, your husband, is he a counselor by trade? Is that right? He was. For about 25 years, he was a marriage counselor. And he became a marriage counselor really because of our own marriage problems that we encountered before Auntie Anne's. We were just newlyweds while we were married seven years, and we lost our 19-month-old Angela Joy. She was killed instantly on our farmette, obviously an accident. And um, my grief then took me to a place of silence and isolation and confusion because I really thought that, I believed, that if I was a good girl, good wife, you know, if I did everything just right, then God would bless me and he'd be pleased with me. And if I didn't, then he'd be upset with me, I guess, bad theology. But at that time, you know, I lived a pretty good life. I'd, I'd gone to church. I had accepted Christ and into my life and I was living the life of a, of a believer and um, doing it all according to my opinion and standards, doing it really well. And so when Angela was killed instantly on our farm, I was uh, not prepared for tragedy and trauma and did not know what to do with it and did not have the vocabulary to process verbally. So Jonas and I went into, I call it a silent uh, marriage, and um, we survived 
silently without really talking about, we never talked about our feelings, never talked about, we both felt terribly sad. I was spiritually confused and emotionally just so much pain. And I ended up going to see my pastor who I thought was a good man. And I went to him for answers and comfort. And before I left his office, he took advantage of me and uh, physically, and I stayed in, so I kept that that a secret. I mean, I didn't know how to talk about my grief with Angie, and I certainly um, didn't understand abuse. I didn't really understand what happened to me, but I knew that I didn't know how to talk about that. So that was a secret that I kept, and which kept me in years of abuse with our pastor, and um, took me to the bottom of... mm, I've always said it took me into the dark years, the darkness, and um, I stayed there too long for uh, seven years. Uh, at the end of that, when I was finally able to tell my husband what was going, it was my secret that no one knew about yeah. except my perpetrator. And um, at the end of those seven years, I, God just uh, was very clear with me, you know, get up off your knees and um, go tell Jonas what's going on in your life. And I uh, had no idea then, Matthew, how powerful that one broken two-sentence confession would be. But it was it began redemption in my life that I didn't think was possible at that time because I was completely broken. I, was un, I knew I was unlovable. I hated who I'd become. I had two girls and uh, trying to be a mom and a wife, but I hated who I'd become. I knew I was unlovable, I was unforgivable, and I knew for a fact I was unchangeable. And it was in that condition that I went and told Jonas uh, two sentences. That's all I could tell him because there's nothing left inside of me. But that was the catalyst then that the power of that confession really took us down the path of redemption. And Auntie Anne's then was a part of that plan that God had that I had no idea. Mm. And uh, because of our brokenness, Jonas then really became interested in uh, psychology and human behavior. And he was like dumbfounded. How how can this happen in the church with my wife and my sisters, uh, other women that that started to just come out? And uh, that's when he became interested in in psychology, and um, he then became a layman's counselor, and that's why I went to work. I wanted to support him so he could do it as a free service to anyone that came to him, and he did that for over 10 years. Why is there so much power in a confession? Like you just said, there's power in in a confession. What is that power? It's a deep subject, okay? Um, I go back to, it's God's way. It's all about bringing your deeds into the light, and the James 5.16 model is, it's the verse starts by saying, confess your faults. And I, I add extra, I mean, it's, it confess your feelings, your thoughts, your behaviors, your sin, your struggles, your whatever it is that's bothering you. Confess your faults one to another. This is not about talking to Jesus here. <laughs> this is talking about relational health, being healthy relationally. And I do believe that every time I talk to Jesus in those seven years and ask him to forgive me and to help me, spiritually, I knew he heard me and I knew he was helping me, even though I wondered, where is God? I continued to talk to him. (laughs) And that's a spiritual component that we have. It's the gift that God has given us. We can actually connect no matter how broken we are. 
He hears our prayers. But that's a spiritual connection. The relational connection is what happened when I made that confession to Jonas. It began to repair my relation with him. And I go all the way back to Adam and Eve. You know, they walked in the garden. It was a perfect world. And the disconnect with God happened when they did their own thing. <laughs> when they said, oh, okay, we really need to understand that tree in the middle of the garden. We really need to partake of that. And then God comes looking for them, like as if he didn't know yeah, where they go were. for a walk in the cool of that's day. That's right. Yeah. And it says that he came looking for them, and he called them by name. Uh, I believe that's what the Bible says. It said, where are you, and what did you do? Did you take from the tree? So from the very beginning, Adam and Eve had to tell God what they did. And then at the very end of, in Revelation, it talks about that we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So the power of confession, in my experience, it just broke. It broke the back of the secret. And even though it took me a long time to get to wholeness, in that moment, something happened inside of me that I, it's very hard for me to describe. But it took the, the knots in my belly. My stomach was aching for years. I really thought that what I was feeling in my stomach was ulcers because I was skin and bones. I weighed 90 pounds. And I was so worried about everything. I was so afraid. But what I realize now, Matthew, is that that, that was Holy Spirit inside of me just encouraging me to move forward, tell, you know, confess this, talk to somebody about this. I thought it was ulcers. I mean, I went to the doctor a couple of times and no, no problem. And I really believe the Holy Spirit inside of us, he is the comforter. He is the one who, who directs us. He's the one that tells us, you know, lets us know right or wrong. The power of confession, that's my message. I love talking about this because it truly does take you from darkness into light into light and just like first peter 2 9 that reminds us that we're a holy priest a royal priesthood a chosen generation we've been called out of darkness and into the bible says his marvelous marvelous light, light. <laughs> and, and marvelous light is is freedom's light and what it sounds like too from a relational standpoint your confession you said it, it brought about uh, the beginning of powerful healing in your marriage but then it also uh, it sounds like even within your community set some other people free to say, hey, uh, yeah, that happened to me. What would you say to somebody right now who is listening to this? It's like, look, we all have secrets. And I know you have a book called The Secrets Within. It's, is that right? It's called The Secret Within? The Secret Lies Within. The Secret Lies Within. We all struggle with things that we're, yes. the voice of guilt is so much louder than maybe the voice of grace, or we let ourselves focus on the, on the message of guilt, and you've touched on that a little bit. What would you say to somebody who's listening to this right now, and it, it's what, what you're describing is, is hitting a nerve for them right now, and maybe in an uncomfortable way, but in a way that is what you thought were your ulcers, somebody else is feeling in this moment going, I got that thing, and I've been so scared to tell somebody or to set my secret free, what would your encouragement be to that person right now? Oh, Matt, let me tell you, now you're asking me the question that I, that I so struggle with. I, I couldn't tell. It was easier for me to think about committing suicide, which on two different occasions, it was easier for me to think that that's the way out 
than it was for me to tell my secret. And I know, as you said, many people are listening to this and they're feeling, because they're feeling that. And we're all in this, this thing called life together. And we all experience similar things. And we all feel the guilt and the shame of just missing the mark. You know what I'm saying? In some way, we yeah. feel like we missed the mark. But it's really about being courageous. The day I went to tell my husband, Jonas, I'm telling you, whoever's listening right now, I want to just say to you, you have what it takes inside of you to make that confession. You know, and I always say, make sure if you cannot tell your husband or your wife, I don't know if there's a, if you're into some sort of a sexual issue or if you, there there are all kinds of secrets that we keep. And if you're not comfortable telling your spouse, if that's the case, then I encourage you to find a really good friend, someone that you are safe with. Begin to open up to somebody and just begin to talk to them about what's going on in your life. And little by little, the courage that you feel like you don't have, like like you say, I can't do that. And let me tell you something about confession. It's a principle in the Word of God that James 5, 16 says, if we confess one to another and pray for each other, then we will be healed. So it's really like, if we do this, then we'll be healed. Confession is not about predicting an outcome. It's simply about setting yourself free. And I know it takes courage. I know that it's so scary that you, you, you'll let this day pass again, and you're saying, I can't do this because I know what's going to happen. No, wow. you don't know. You cannot predict it. The, the truth is, it's a, I want to say it's a command that God has given us to set ourselves free. And as we open up and we, we begin to live in the light, we bring our deeds into the light, then we live in the light as he is in the light. Then we begin to have this relational, this fellowship one with another. And then the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. And let me tell you, Matthew, that, that's where I live today, in fellowship. And, and I call it a lifestyle of confession. If I feel a knot in my stomach again, I know exactly what that means. That means I need to tell someone, someone that I hurt, or my husband, maybe I wasn't kind to him, or one of my kids. It's a family thing. It's a relational thing. And once you practice this, It's kind of like the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's kind of like once I tasted the results of confession, that's where I want to stay. It's where I want to live. And so bringing all of our deeds into the light, that's where God lives. And then he can do something with our lives. Hey, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Being a human is exhausting. Living this life is exhausting. Everyone, for every one of us. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have or what you're going through. Life takes its toll. Amen? One common stressor is how we give away our power. You can't control what someone else does or what happens to you. 
but you can control how you choose to respond. That's how you keep your power. And therapy can help you learn this. It's not just a Jedi mind trick, all right? It's learning what you're capable of. And as our resident therapist says, when life gives you lemons, you can either make lemonade or squeeze them into your eye. It's your choice. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. So go make some lemonade. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Matthew S. Podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash MWP. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H elp.com slash mwp it seems at the start of every new year i have at least one hiring need for my team i wonder if you're in the same boat maybe you've got some ambitious hiring goals well no sweat because you're not waiting for the right candidates to find you you're finding them first with indeed i love indeed and if you're hiring you need indeed because indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract interview and hire all in one place and indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. It's that easy. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need just one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. You find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you'll get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description. And you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash West. That offer is valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash West to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash West. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Can I make a confession right now? Oh, please tell me everything you want. I've ever. <laughs> I gotta be honest. Like I, I was getting ready for this interview with you, and I was like, I'm gonna talk with the pretzel lady. I'm like this That's is me. You know, we're gonna talk about pretzels. We're gonna talk about her story, and I was very excited about it. But I didn't expect that we were gonna go to this place that you've allowed us to go to. And I just want to, just even before we're done talking, I just want to thank you on behalf of everybody listening to this, because even right now, by leading with this part of your story and by being willing to be so vulnerable, you're showing us all a roadmap. You know what I mean? And when somebody shows you, hey, this was the path I took, it it, it helps maybe see some footsteps in front of us to go, okay, well, if I take that step the way that she did, and like you just said, I mean, you just set a whole bunch of people free to say, hey, you can't predict the outcome, but God's calling you to do this. And he wouldn't call you to do this if he intended you to be left completely high and dry upon your confession. 
right? That's the beauty Absolutely. of it. God's plan for us is that he seeks and saves those who are lost. He doesn't abandon you upon that confession. And the enemy wants to make us believe that we're going to be completely, he wants to keep us isolated in our secrets and then get us to, and he can do that by making us believe that once we confess, we will then be isolated because we're messed up and everybody knows it. Satan knows this truth. Alone we die, connected, we live. He takes us into isolation. And then when we're there, he keeps us there by telling us, if you tell, and and all kinds of lies. I believe so many lies that I honestly, I didn't even know what was truth anymore about me, about God. But when I began to confess and my husband and I began to talk, Wow, the light bulb was turned on, and then I began to see clearly. I didn't like what I saw about me, but I began to see. And again, one to another confession brings us healing, and it takes all of our deeds into the light where God can now, he can, he can do something with us. And, and I can tell you, it has taken me to an overcoming life that is unbelievable. I never dreamed that I would feel, and I say feel, this kind of freedom ever in this life, but I do. And it's, it's the overcoming life that I believe Jesus died for. Alone we die, together we live. Is that what you said? Connected we live. Connected we live. You have a real passion for helping people get counseling, right? Yes. And, and providing counseling resources. When you were encouraging the listeners just moments ago to talk to a friend, you know, some people might not even feel they have a safe place to go to. And you would highly recommend taking a step towards sitting with with a counselor, right? That's a real passion for you? Absolutely. I feel like that it's really important to, first of all, know that you don't need to do this alone. Like like we honestly feel like, oh, I'll get through this all by myself. I'm, I don't know what it is about that. We think we can do it alone. But the truth is, um, most times when we find ourselves in deep darkness, we cannot do it alone. So I would recommend a, a Christian, somebody that that you can trust or someone that would refer um, you to someone that's a great counselor. But yes, uh, you don't have to do this alone. And I would recommend that you find a good counselor. And then from there, you begin to open up and you can find great friends that can can take you um, where you want to go. And that is you want to connect again with people and be real and vulnerable with a good friend. You've already counseled you know, all of us who are listening to this conversation today, and uh, you've just given, you've spoken some life-giving words that can point so many people towards finding true freedom in their lives and finding out how freedom feels is what I love how you're tangibly, you're saying, I, no, you don't understand. I, I, I can feel a level of freedom that is so powerful and palpable. Um, normally, I ask every guest, I, I talk about a blue couch story, and I say, I talk about how you know, for me, a real defining moment in my journey of faith, I talk about a moment where God became real to me. And it wasn't just a family connection. It wasn't just a religious obligation. It was a moment where I really felt God knocking at the door of my heart, you know, and I, my answer was yes. But one thing that I've learned in doing this podcast, and I ask people to share, hey, what's your version of that, right? And so for me, I was sitting on a blue couch watching a Billy Graham crusade on television. Hmm. And I just felt this like, oh, I, I feel like my life is not my own. I feel like God is calling me. I feel like he has a plan for my life. And I, I'll never forget praying that prayer. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned 
when I ask guests, hey, what's your blue couch story, right? Um, I've learned that God's desire for us is to experience more than just one moment in a lifetime lived. It's that he wants to reveal himself to us over and over, just like the old hymn, and he walks with me and he talks with me. And I feel like you've already described some powerful blue couch moments, you know, where where you're on your knees and you're praying and you felt that it's time, it's time to go talk to Jonas, right? Is there another blue couch moment that comes to mind that you'd want to share where you just you felt God's presence in such a real way that you can no longer deny his existence? Yes. And I'll try to keep this short. The blue couch moment, it was actually a flowered chair in my house in 2003. And so my sweet Angie was killed in 1975. Uh, the abuse started soon after that. And so fast forward to 2003, we're uh, very successful with Auntie Anne's and I'm still carrying some guilt and shame, like a ball and chain. You know, I didn't understand it. I didn't truly because we'd had so much counseling and Jonas and I were doing so well together. And yet I just felt like this shame factor continued to just nag me, but I didn't know it was shame. And I remember sitting on my on my flowered chair, my favorite chair in my house, and Satan was really pulling me down by an event that had happened. And Jonas and I had to go see a counselor again. And we came back from that counseling session. And I, I felt myself going down into this spiral, like into and I knew I know what depression is. I experienced it for about 25 years, mild to severe. And I felt myself going downhill. I mean, into this dark place. And I remember crying out to God. I said, God, I can't go there. I don't want to go into this pit of depression. I refuse to go there, but I didn't know how to stop myself from going there. And in the midst of that moment, Matthew, Jesus spoke to me. And he said to me, Anne, have I not done enough for you? And he listed the things that he has done for me. He came to planet Earth. He came as a man. He was tried as, in every way as, as a human being. He was uh, crucified. He went to, back up to heaven. And he's, today he's interceding at the right hand of the Father for me, is what he told me. At the very end of that, he said, there is nothing left for me to do. Will you forgive yourself? So that was in the year 2003, 28 years after my sweet Angie was killed. And I realized in that moment that my shame had just, it, it was like a, I was wearing it every day. And I responded to that moment and I said, yes, I will. I will. I, I just began to weep like a sob, like a baby. I just couldn't stop crying. But all I could say was, yes, I will. And you know what, Matt? That was the moment. That's why I can tell my story. That was the moment when shame, it's like grace, like the waves of the ocean. Just, I felt them, like just washing over me. And from that moment to this day, I feel no shame. That's why I can tell my story. Why do I not feel shame? Because I forgave myself. And the other part of that is that Jesus not only died for my sins, which is great. Thank you, God. He died for my sins. But he took upon himself my shame. And when I realized that, it changed me from the very inner part of who I am. And from that day to this day, I have never once felt ashamed again. That's powerful. I just wrote a 
lyrics to a new song, and it says, um, I drove by your house every day, but guilt always drove me away. Oh, wow. I wanted so bad to be free, but shame is a powerful thing. And uh, the song resolves, and at the very end, and it says, um, it goes on to talk about how grace, the cross on the top of that, on the top of that church, that was the cross I deserved. But now I'm a sinner set free. Grace is a powerful thing. And um, man, I just, I'm so thankful to have this chance to talk to you today. And um, I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. You've just spoken some life-giving words and um, you're able to share from a place of um, once broken, once guilty, once depressed, once like coming out of those dark days and into God's marvelous light. And and now you bless so many other people. And uh, it's just a powerful thing. Thank you for sharing today. Golly. Well, you're welcome, Matt. I want to hear that song. Do you have it? Did you record that song? Yeah, I haven't put it out yet, but I'll send oh. it to you. Oh. And you can hear it before uh, before it comes out for the rest of the world. You're bringing tears to my eyes. It's huge. I don't even know. Like I had other pretzel questions, but I don't even want to go there anymore because well, we we can do it again. Uh, no, it's just so powerful to. It's just powerful. I don't even know another word to to describe it as. And I'm I'm so thankful that you would that you would share today. And I I think um, there's no question that somebody listening to this needed to hear this and. Uh, I needed to hear it, and so I, I'm so grateful. I am. I am curious now. What is it like when you go? Do you ever go to the shopping mall and smell? Yes, I just did it. Mm-hmm, yes. What can you just tell me? What that's like? Like, do you, is it like a little God wink to see just how far he's brought you? Like, what is that like walking through the? You know, I know what it's like for me when I'm walking through the mall. I instantly get hungry for your pretzels. Um, but I, I didn't make it, you know, I, I'm not responsible for that booth in the, uh, mall. What's that like for you? Well, maybe it's similar to you hearing your song played somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Maybe. Like, huh, yeah. Uh, you know, how do you feel about that? I, I think that, you know, I'm never far away from my roots. I, I share my story like I just did because I shared for God's glory. And every time I tell my story, I'm freed a little bit more. Like there's more freedom in Christ than just to be saved by the hair of our chinny chin chin. You know what I'm saying? There is freedom that is so huge and so big. So when I walk past an Auntie Anne store, my name is there, but we no longer own the company. And um, I mean, just we just I just came back from Fort Lauderdale, life surge, and I was stopped at the uh, in the uh, airport, and there was an Auntie Anne there, and the people, you know, went up to them. I told them. You know, I just came by to say hi and, you know, just kind of, just sort of, uh, you know, talk like, how are you today? Blah, blah, blah. And and then they kind of look at me and they say, can I help you? And I'm like, not really. I just wanted to say hello. And and then they say, well, what can I do for you? And I'm like, well, I just wanted to tell you I'm Auntie Anne and I came by to say hello. And so, I mean, I never know right wow. how to say that because, and they <laughs> truly did not believe me. They didn't believe oh, me. Man. And uh, because many people, everybody knows about the product, Matthew, but not many people, I mean. Yeah, know about the origins. Few or... people know me. You know, they know the product, but they don't know who I am. And that's fine with me. And uh, because we never marketed me, we always, you know, it was always about the product. And so it was so fun to, 
try to convince them. I, I, I let him see my driver's license to prove to them that my name is Ann Byler. Wow. And uh, anyway, it was so fun. But by the end of the time that we spent there, maybe 20 minutes, they all knew and believed. And we did some photos and it was so fun. It, it always makes their day. And that's why I do it because it means something to them. And I love to make the connection with uh, anti-ant employees. I just, it's fun. They still that's feel, so I call cool. them my people, even though I don't know the company anymore, but it's hard to, you know, to see the name and and feel completely um, distant from yeah. that. I, I'm still, It'll it still always feels like my of, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And now these days you spend your time uh, traveling and, and speaking and you share your story. Uh, obviously, like, it's not lost on me. Just the, uh, I mean, at one point, I think you were, I was reading about you and you were um, listed one of America's 500 women entrepreneurs by Working Women, uh, and then uh, Entrepreneur of the Year by Inc. Magazine. I mean, mm -hmm. we haven't talked much about the actual business accomplishments, but it's huge. And to be an amazing, empowering role model for girls like my girls, Lulu and Delaney, who can see what's and it's just it's just awesome. And so people can uh, probably hear you uh, speak in different cities. They can keep in touch with you at your website, AntieAnnBiler.com. I'll post a link to it at the official podcast page. They can get a copy of you have two different books, one that tells your business story. Correct. Right. And then you have another one What's that one called? The twist, a twist of... The first one I wrote, Matthew, was a, a twist of faith. It's been out since 2008 or nine, And that's our story, which is a timeless kind of autobiography. And then the two that I wrote in the last two years is one is The Secret Lies Within. And then the last one that I just published about uh, four months ago is is called The Overcome and Lead. So the first book is about overcoming my abuse and my shame and all that, The Secret Lies Within. The Overcome and Lead is the book that I wrote about how I was able to overcome myself and lead uh, Auntie Anne's, the company. And people can get those books at your website. Is that probably the best place? AuntieAnnBiler.com. That's correct. I will send them a signed copy if they go to my website. You can also get it on Amazon.com. Wonderful. All right. Well, we'll post links to both of those locations in the official podcast page, which is matthewwest.com slash podcast. And Auntie Anne, if I may, it has been a, such a treat to have our paths cross. And I want to thank you for joining me today, for sharing life-giving words, and uh, really for teaching us the, the power of confession and the power of God's grace in our lives. Um, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Well, I'm honored. Thank you, Matthew, for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. And then when we're off the air, you'll you'll share with me all the secret recipes I need to uh, make pretzels at home. No, I'm just kidding. Of course. Uh, thank you, Anne. <laughs> My pleasure. All right, now it's time for songs from the Storyhouse. This is the song that popped into my head as I was listening to Anne just share her story. And with as honest as she was being and um, really just kind of refusing to let shame win or the darkness win, to not let part of her story stay in the shadows, but to really find that survival can actually turn into thriving when you 
bring your story out into the light, as difficult as that may be, the healing, the powerful healing that takes place, that's God's plan for us. Not that we walk wounded through our lives, but that we place the wounded parts of our lives into his wounded hands, his nail-scarred hands, and dare to believe that he can bring about a powerful healing for the deepest wounds that we have. And so I want you just to listen to a little bit of this song called The Healing Has Begun. I wrote this song for Ginny, who shared with me about a terminated pregnancy when she was a teenage kid and the shame that she carried with her for over 30 years over the mistake that she made until she finally dared to believe that God still loved her, that God could forgive her, and that God still had plans for her life. By the way, Ginny now volunteers her time at a crisis pregnancy center. It's a pretty powerful story. I hope this song touches your heart. It's the song I was singing the whole time in my head as I was listening to Anne share her powerful story of healing as well. You have carried the weight of your secret for way too long Thinking if there is a place called forgiveness you don't belong Oh, but freedom can never be found behind those walls So just let them fall Just let them fall Oh, the healing has begun Oh, the healing has begun The healing has 
He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why today's final segment of the show is called Dad Vice. He is my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Dad, thanks for joining me. We are here in the month of January. It's a new year. We believe God is doing a new thing. I shared how um, an interview that I heard from Super Bowl champion Kurt Warner uh, he was a guest around the holidays, and, and the first thing he said in his interview, he used the phrase, he said, first things first, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I, I've sort of adopted first things first as my personal theme as I'm starting the new year. I'm always dreaming big dreams, and we're planning, we're setting goals, right? We're dreaming up this podcast and new music and lots of things with our ministry and Pop We. But part of putting first things first, I think, comes with... Um, some looks backwards and and doing some reflecting, right? Yes. And so here we are in January, we're always focused on moving ahead. But today let's talk about the power of, you know, first stopping and, and doing some reflection. Again, that's uh, the power that a new year brings that not only challenges to dream big dreams, but maybe to take a time to just do inventory and reflect on some personal things in our lives and our relationship with God. So that's what we want to do in this segment. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart, test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, our friends who are familiar with the AA 12-step program know about step four. Step four is, says this, make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. The program cites that because honesty is crucial to recovery, this step is particularly important because self-inventory is about admitting your past mistakes, acknowledging your strengths and weakness, and acting on your potential to make a change in the future. Now, as this new year begins, I challenge us all to take a fearless moral inventory and ask God to help us to see where we have made mistakes and how by asking for God's help, we can make better decisions and see him change our future. Four quick things out of this. One, make Psalm 139, 23 and 24 your prayer. Again, search me, O God, and That's know great. my heart. Test me, know my thoughts, see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Secondly, make a list of all that God has done in your life in 2021. Three, what were your victories and where did you struggle? And four, what do you want to see God help you to change in 2021? 22. Man, that's good. What's the quote? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I think about that in my own life. Like we get in certain ruts in our lives and those ruts become pits and those ruts can be any number of things. They can be bad habits. They can be our priorities getting askew. But, you know, as we step into a new year, we're thinking about stepping forward. But I think it's so important that you're highlighting the need for us to take a step inward and and take a look inward and open ourselves up to pray that step four prayer. You don't need to be in a recovery program to see the value and the importance of step four. That's an everybody step. 
really, yes. isn't it? It's, yes. it's everybody needing to pray yes. as David prayed. Lord, Lord, search me. Like, I don't ever want to be above reproach. I don't ever want to be at a point in my life where I think I've got this whole thing down. I want to be daily praying, Lord, help me see some blind spots. Show me what I'm not seeing. Search me and know me and create in me a clean heart. So that's a great word. The uh, I would say we could title this first comma reflect like yes. before you step forward into the new year let's take some time to reflect or as you're stepping forward into the new year it's coming right time does not stop for us so we have to be intentional in stopping ourselves long enough to take some some much needed inventory thanks dad you're welcome hey that's our show for today i want to thank my guest ann byler Auntie Anne, of course. What a powerful testimony she shared. And I can't encourage enough for you to go check out her books and dive into her story even more. Perhaps you're out there and you even have a similar chapter, a broken chapter of your story. Um, I want you to know that there is hope for you. Anne spoke today because she wants you to know that there's hope for your story, that God can heal the most wounded parts of your life. So thank you, Anne, for sharing and letting the truth be told and being brave and being honest and being so filled with light and hope. Uh, go to the official podcast page to find out how you can get those books, or I'll post them on show, socials as well. But the official podcast page is matthewwest.com slash podcast. Also want to thank my dad as always for joining me with Dad Vice. And we're encouraging you guys to put first things first as you start this new year. As you put one foot in front of the other, putting first things first, of course, putting God first in your life above everything else. Uh, hey, last thing I want you to make sure that you are aware of is our spring tour. The brand new tour is just a few weeks away from kicking off. Tickets are selling fast. We would love to have you join us at the brand new tour. I've got several of my good friends and special guests joining me who are going to be on stage with me as well. Some cities are going to get to see the great Ann Wilson, who's just had two number ones in a row. We wrote the song My Jesus together. You're going to get to hear Jordan Feliz. You're going to get to hear Kane. Uh, you're going to get to hear Hannah Kerr. Check the uh, MatthewWest.com to find out which artists are going to be with me in which cities. But just know this. I'll be in every city, and I don't want you to miss it. So get your tickets while they're still available at MatthewWest.com. All right, go make the most of the one life you get. You get one shot at this. No regrets. No what ifs. Uh, put Jesus first, first things first, and step into the marvelous light of his healing grace. He has great plans for you today and every single day. It's your story for his glory. Love you guys. See you next week. Seriously, I, I, I do. <laughs>